Welcome to the Dreamcast Podcast, where you start the journey to make your dream a reality, become the greatest version of yourself, and discover your purpose. My name is Daniel Bozinski, and I'm excited to bring you today's show. Every week, the Dreamcast will bring you practical tips, steps, and interviews from influential leaders, successful entrepreneurs, and business professionals living out their dreams from around the globe. Our guests have discovered their purpose and are constantly making an investment into their greatest asset themselves. I believe your dreams are priceless. And if you're looking to make an investment into yourself but don't know where to begin, then start the journey today by joining me at danielbazinski.com. Thanks for tuning in now. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me on today's Dreamcast, where you learn from the greats and see what you have in common with them. The Dreamcast podcast allows you to access the greatest minds and lives in the universe, those that are making a difference and moving the world forward like never before. My name is Daniel Bozinski, your host for the Dreamcast podcast. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about how to take your life into your own hands, how to turn your passion into your job, and how to do what you love every day. Now it's time to introduce today's guest. Today's guest dropped out of high school at the age of 12 years old and decided to homeschool himself. The same year he founded MuggleNet.com, a Harry Potter fan site that led to a six-figure income and 50 million page views a month at its peak. They were the number one podcast in the world called MuggleCast, and since then the 29-year-old founded Dose, a website hosting viral web content which has 1.6 million Facebook followers and 952,000 followers on Twitter. Our guest has 30 other websites based on sharing and contributing content, including omgfacts.com, which has 30 million monthly page views, 6 million Twitter followers, and over 500,000 YouTube subscribers. 19 sites alone draw over 160 million page views monthly. He has raised over $35 million in funding for Dose, which is behind most of his web-based companies and is just getting started. He graduated from Notre Dame's College of Business in 2009, and while in college, he attended the bare minimum of classes that he needed to pass and focused his time on reading one nonfiction book a day. It was there that he met his wife, who is now the vice president in his company. He's published three books, two of which became New York Times bestsellers, and he's also been featured in New Yorker, Forbes, Herald, Jimmy Kimmel, and many, many more. Today, he lives and works in Chicago with his beautiful wife, Gabby. Emerson Sparts, welcome to the Dreamcast. Thank you. Hey, really excited to have you on the show. Would you give a little context um, for everyone that's joining in on this conversation on what you're doing right now in your life? I am the founder and CEO of Dose, one of the world's fastest growing media companies. Uh, we're headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. Awesome. Great. What about your family too? I know we talked a little bit about Gabby for a moment there, um, but any new additions to the family? <laughs> uh, not anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> well, I have two baby girls. I would say once you start, you're really beginning a journey. So, uh, wait for that perfect timing for you and your wife. Yeah. So, Hey, I, I know we shared a little bit of the high level detail above in your intro. I think it's pretty crazy that you decided to drop out of middle school at you know the age of 12, basically to create your own curriculum and homeschool yourself. So first tell us a little bit about that, why you made the decision and kind of how you did it. I was extremely bored and frustrated by the pace of progress in school. I was that kid who would argue with the teachers uh, <laughs> because of inefficiencies that I believed I'd found in their, uh, their, their chosen curriculum and pacing of the curriculum. So for example, I'd be the kid in reading class who would be assigned, you know, we'd be assigned to read one chapter per week in the book and I would read the entire book and then I would sit there kind of bored with nothing to do and so I'd just read another book in class and then I'd get in trouble because I you know, was reading another book in class and not paying attention. Uh, so. <laughs> 
one of my friends started homeschooling. I was like, wow, that's great. You have all that free time. You can just learn whatever you want. This sounds amazing. And I was going to start doing it after eighth grade, uh, after I finished seventh grade, rather. But then, so basketball was a big part of my life at the time. And I accidentally missed one of the days of tryouts because I misread the schedule. And the school was so stubborn about it that they're like, nope, the rule's the rule. And if you miss a day of tryouts, you can't make the team. And then I was like, well, you know. I'm gonna go homeschool then. Totally. <laughs> so I talked my parents into it, and uh, and you know I had I kind of had to sell them on it. But I think my my dad was super into it. My mom wasn't quite so into it. Uh, I think that my dad actually planted the idea in my mind and made me think it was my own. Uh, <laughs> but they just wanted to make sure that I was going to use my time productively. So I had to you know orchestrate a, a case for what I was going to do with my time, like what I was going to study, what I was going to work on, things like that. Great, man. That's so cool. It's like it's amazing to hear just even your energy right now. Like you you're totally like. You do not do to go with rules. That's what I'm hearing as well. <laughs> rules, I would say, but I don't I don't hear it in a rebellious factor. I see it in a way that's like you said, inefficiencies, things that were holding you back, limiting you. Um, talk to me a little bit about that because I think it's unique um, to your personality, but I think that a lot of people feel that frustration and they just want they want to live unlimited. Right, yeah. I've, I've always been the kind of person who uh, – like I, I evaluate rules, not because I, I, I like to optimize everything. Like I've taken this to, to, to an absurd degree, optimizing the tiniest little details in my daily routines. Uh, and so when I see inefficiencies, it, it frustrates me. <laughs> and so in school, uh, since our, our, our education system was founded, you know, in the start of the industrial revolution back, you know, around the, the time we learned about the germ theory of disease, we've come a long way in our ability to understand how the brain learns uh, yet we've incorporated virtually none of it into our education system. Totally, totally. Well, again, I, I really appreciate that tenacity you have. And again, too, it, it sounds like for you specifically, I would like to hear what you optimize in your everyday life um, as far as a schedule goes, because that's interesting to me that you do that. Tell me some things that you've seen in your life schedule that you're like, all right, we're optimizing this. Yeah, so to, to understand where this, okay, so I'm going to say some things that sound a little crazy. So to, to make it sound a little less crazy, I have to add some more context. Uh, in, in my own, uh, I, got, I got to explain my own, my own um, background of self-education. So uh, when I was 12, I convinced my parents to let me drive out of school, start homeschool myself, as you know. And so I've been, in my entire life, I've been in control of my own education. And, uh, you know, for the most part, my parents pretty much stayed out of my way and let me study whatever I wanted. But one thing they did do, which was really smart, was they had me read four short biographies of successful people every day. And this just shattered my little 12-year-old brain into 10,000 pieces. And I decided that I wanted to change the world. And I wanted <laughs> to do it on a massive scale. So I began further immersing myself into the lives of people who had already changed the world, see what patterns I could extract from their experiences. And in doing this research, one conclusion that I came to very quickly is that people who change the world tend to be extraordinarily influential before they change the world. So that set in motion a lifelong fascination with studying influence. And then there was one type of influence in particular that really captured my imagination, which was virality. Because to me, the ability to make things viral was like having a human superpower. Right. You could make things viral, you could tip elections, overthrow dictators, start movements, revolutionize entire industries. So fast forwarding, I decided to go to college for fun. Not a good reason, <laughs> got bored very quickly, very predictably. <laughs> and I was gonna drop out and start another business. But before I did, I wanted to identify a model that would maximize my probability of getting to a billion by the time I was 30. Now, I knew the odds of that happening were infinitesimally small, but I figured, well, statistically speaking, I'll probably get three-ish swings of this, so how do I maximize the probability of one of those swings connecting? 
So I set off on this intellectual journey because I wanted to be able to connect dots and see patterns across different disciplines and industries. So I set a goal of reading one nonfiction book every day until graduation, like business, politics, psychology, economics, technology, science. And uh, it was actually a three-part process. So there was reading, reviewing, and rehearsing because it's a waste of time to learn stuff. If you can't remember it, you can't apply it when it's relevant. So to maximize my attention, I spent the first six months doing a deep dive into the neuroscience of learning and memory. Because learning how to learn is literally the most important thing you can ever learn. It's like wishing for more wishes. Yeah. And then the third part of the process was uh, was rehearsal. How do you practice applying this? So I, I built out different space repetition schedules, like study everything I want to remember a day later, a week later, a month later, every six months. Um, build out different frameworks to contextualize the information, um, et cetera. So, so, so now fast forwarding again. So as far as things that I optimize for, uh, so I have a variety of practice routines. So there's basically two kinds of categories. There's, there's things that I practice every single day. Um, and then there's things that I'm just constantly try, trying to optimize in my routine. So for example, one thing that, that taught me how to be more observant about how things can be improved is that I used to do, uh, I used to write every single day, I would like carry on a little notebook and I would write down every little thing that I observed that was imperfect. So it could be like, there's a little dirt in that corner or this chair is squeaky. Um, you know, those are like the most minor things, but what happens is when you start noticing things that go wrong, it helps you notice uh, business opportunities. It helps you notice uh, little inefficiencies all, all the way down to the, the smallest micro level. So it could be things like, for example, using this, uh, you know, this particular way of observation, I realized that you could actually cross city streets about five to 8% faster if you always keep a 45 degree angle between yourself and your destination. Cause you minimize the probability of ever getting stuck at a red light. Uh, Cause you can always make a turn. So that's like one thing. <laughs> so that's five to eight percent of your time over the course of your entire life. You live in a city that could be, you know, weeks of your life that you gain from just that one little hack. Um, all the way down to the micro level, like specific, the specific way that, like, if I if I step out of the elevator in my building, my right foot first instead of my left foot, I have one less step to get to the door. One last step multiplied times, you know, uh, you know, several years could be a whole like, you know, hour of time. You know, really, really minor stuff, but but you notice those things, and it's just fun to to practice them. Totally. So tell me this, how do you do those types of things? So I, I, first you're, you're inspiring me in, in a sense to learning how to optimize every minute that I get all the time when it comes to the interaction with just my daily life and routine. How do you do those things when it comes to relationships? Like for one, it's very hard to optimize something like that with your wife when she wants to have a quality conversation or, you know, with individuals that are working for you that might need some, some time with you to have a conversation. What does that look like? Well, it's actually the same process because ultimately, what is a conversation? A conversation is a way to connect, um, you know, and share information and and learn and grow and help each other out. And so, when you think about a conversation with uh, one of my my colleagues, and they come to me with a problem, my my goal in that situation is to help resolve the problem as quickly as possible. And so that would mean that I would think through, you know, what are the most efficient, what are the questions I could ask that would most effectively um, surface the most important information that would help the resolution of the problem become clear. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've spent a considerable amount of time like A-B test, like A-B testing questions in conversation to see which questions yield more interesting and valuable conversations. I've been going to lunch every single day with a different person for many years. And in those one hour lunches, I set a personal goal of having a conversation, a one hour conversation that's so meaningful, it would be, it would take, it would be the equivalent of 20 hours of normal conversation. So what questions yield better conversations? Um, similarly, even with my, with my wife, Gabby, um, I approach conversations the same way. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but it's still, it's still based on like, you know, how do we, how do we make the most of this experience? Um, and it, it's obviously not as, it's not designed for efficiency in the same way as, okay, we have to solve a problem. How do we solve it? 
but it's even just like how to, you know, what, you know, having a quality conversation about what happened in each other's days. Right. Right. So how do we create a memory in this conversation? I like the one thing you talked about is having an hour meeting that literally is equivocable to, you know, a 20 hours of conversation. So tell me, what are some of those questions? What are some questions that you've seen create high value conversations? Yeah, so the, the biggest problem with most conversations is that they're too safe. And because they're safe, they are, uh, you, you don't really connect with somebody very well when you're just having safe conversation, chit chatter about the industry or about the weather or about sports. And so what happens is you need to have a lot of those conversations to feel like you've connected, you really, you really understand somebody. Um, but vulnerability is the shortcut. So if you're able to, and most people are just, the only reason why most people don't practice more vulnerability is because they're too afraid to. Uh, they laugh about it, they, make, they crack jokes, they make excuses, but it's because they're afraid. They're afraid to open up because they're afraid of getting hurt. Um, and so what I do is my goal is to transcend small talk as quickly as possible and, and steer the conversation as rapidly as possible towards uh, more vulnerable territory. So the area that I'm usually most interested in getting to in business conversations with, you know, let's say it's a, a fellow entrepreneur, is I want to know what they're struggling with in their business because usually that's the thing that's the hardest to talk about, and so uh, it's also the area that usually has the most impact if you can be helpful. And so I want to know the reason I want to know is because I legitimately want to know how I can be helpful to them, um, and I also find it interesting because everyone talks about things that are going well, but people rarely talk about things that are going poorly. And so what I'll often do is I'll ask a sequence of questions that are designed to help them feel like it's safe to open up um, about things that they're struggling with, where then again it can be maximally helpful with either connections or advice or introductions. So for example, I'll, I usually start with questions like, you know, start with small talk questions, but I average about three to five minutes of small talk. And then once I feel like it's okay to start transitioning out of it, then I'll start talking about, you know, how their business is going. They'll share the things that are going well. They usually want to talk about things that are going poorly. And then I'll say, um, you know, one thing that I've really been struggling with, and then I'll just share something, you know, very personal that I've been struggling with in my business. I'll be very honest about it. And people, instead of people judging you, um, what most people do is they actually just feel uh, very connected to you when you're willing to open up about something that you're struggling with like that. And then, you know, we'll talk for a bit about whatever I'm struggling with. And then I'll say, you know, what are, what are some bottlenecks you're facing right now? And the reason why I say what are some bottlenecks you're facing right now is because it's a very safe way for them to say what's going wrong. Because a bottleneck is, you know, a bottleneck is like a systems thing, right? Everyone's got bottlenecks. You can't not have a bottleneck. Totally. And I say some. Like, what are some bottlenecks? Because you don't want to say, like, what's the biggest thing you have? Because that, people can freeze up and, and freak out too much about, you know, sharing that. But they might have something else that they want to share. Um, and then right now, you know, so, so it kind of like it, all the way that those, I've tested a bunch of variations of that question and that's the variation that tends to have the highest impact. Um, and then the conversation just turns into like just way more interesting and impactful territory. So cool, man. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know how much you know about the Dreamcast podcast, but that's really the heart and center of this podcast is I believe that everyone has a dream. Everyone has a purpose. And uh, the way to do that is to become the greatest version of yourself. And the only way to do that is to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable with your struggles, what you want to do in life. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's interviewing individuals like yourself that can be real and authentic enough to share their secrets. And most of their secrets were found in their struggles. And so right. the, the difficulty is in modern traditional business, you put on a facade, you put on your very nice, beautiful LinkedIn photograph with your greatest suit on, and ultimately it's, it's the least uh, clearest depiction of what real life looks like. <laughs> or, totally. Yeah, we, we compare our, one of my favorite quotes is that we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. Totally. And it's like, we've got to get this to look more real. And uh, so, yeah, tell me what would be some of the questions you would ask me? I'd love for you to ask me a question and then I'll ask you a, another question. <laughs> I like that. Um, what are some bottlenecks you're facing right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I would say that some of the bottlenecks that I'm facing right now is this. Um, so I've, I just got a really a, a huge passion and all of our team here that works with us is the same thing what you're talking about, changing the world. I really want to impact people. I guess one of my biggest struggles right now is um, helping get the individuals that need our help how, how, like I'm making a lot of emails, people that are struggling with depression, anxiety, whether they're reading our blog or listening to the podcast and they're like, Hey, I need help. And I guess I'm trying to translate, you know, real life stories that we've all been through that are dark stories. Um, that's digestible for other people to understand the solution and how to get through those things. I think that that would be mm-hmm. one of my bottlenecks. I think the other thing would be, um, I run two nonprofits. And so I think a lot of people see me as this guy that runs a nonprofit and he's supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm also trying to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I think that some people aren't okay with that. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that it's hard, it's not always easy to overcome, um, mental objections people have for you when they're not willing to communicate them to you. So that mm-hmm. would be one of my other, um, emotional, uh, bottlenecks that I'm experiencing, you know? Yeah, totally. So at this point in the conversation, typically what I would do is I would, I would feel like, okay, you, you introduced two kind of categories of things that, that you're struggling with, but you introduced them in a way that was very safe. Like you, you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't like pouring your heart out or anything. And so I would gather that it's like, okay, that's a good sign though. You know, it's, it's good progress. And then what I would do is I would reciprocate by sharing something that was more vulnerable. Like I would admit, you know, something that I was struggling with, but, but I would do it. I would like up the ante just a little bit more and say like, man, you know, my role as CEO has changed in time. And now the, by far the most important use of my time is sales, but I hate sales and it sucks, but I know that it's the most valuable use of my time, but man, you know, it's a lot less fun right. than what I was doing before. And so, you know, and then, I, you know, I, I use that as an example again, because it makes the easiest thing for vulnerable is just to open up first and, you know, up the ante a little bit more than what you expected the person to do. And then they'll meet you. They won't come all the way to your level, but they'll come close. You know, they'll come to like 70 or 80 percent of it. Um, and then, you know, keep and then you just keep keep moving down that path. And then sometimes you can adjust course. So, for example, one of my other favorite questions is, and by the way, typically this point too is I would start digging into those more and you know exploring them deeper to figure out you know if I can I can be helpful with anything, um, totally. you know, regarding advice or connections or whatever. Um, another one of my favorite questions is to say, what are one or two of the happiest moments of your entire life? Again, wording is very important. One or two specific moments, and then I'll use two examples: one that's vain and shallow of, of mine, and then one that's not. And then by using those examples, it frees them up to, to actually be honest. Because those people, be, they'll say lame things like, oh, I went on this great vacation. <laughs> lame. Okay, <laughs> your vacation was great. But that's not like the happiest moment of your life. There's a moment. And the moment is meaningful. And so uh, giving one that's vain and shallow is important because it, it makes it okay for them to say one that is kind of vain and shallow. Like, oh, this one time this girl, you know, like when, when I first realized this girl liked me when I was in like sixth grade. And that was awesome. Like that's, that, you know, th- there's, there's moments like that that aren't that impressive but are still powerful. Or, totally. you know, things like that. Um, and then a more meaningful one, which is also true. So cool. Okay, well, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I also want to just hit on a few things you said too. I love it because you're totally right. We're always, um, I think, looking for our permissions with other individuals. So when you ask that question to me, I'm like, all right, so he's asking for permission to access to parts of my life that maybe I don't open up to every single person on a daily you know, conversation. But to, to me and to you, those are the most valuable conversations because I don't want to chit-chat. I don't want to just talk about surface-level things. So I love how you, like you said too, you kind of open it up and then we can you can drill down deeper and deeper with individuals – 
And I think for people tuning into this conversation, I think that this is one of the, the key factors to even finding uh, joy and happiness in life is mm-hmm. getting real with individuals and being willing to share your struggles. Like you even said, then you'll up the ante. I, I, I'm taking notes just so you know, because I love that. Up the ante. Share something more vulnerable. Share something that no one talks about. Those are the moments that you're most free because you're like, hey, this doesn't hold me down anymore. I'm just going to share it. So I, I really love that too. And then I'm, I'm going to answer your totally. question and then I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, so I would say two of the happiest moments of my life specifically would be when I had my daughter, my first daughter, um, because you know going from zero to one was a big deal for us, especially since it was an unplanned moment and uh, having a baby girl. It was just so surreal in every way, like super emotional for me. Uh, I feel like I got a lot of emotions, and and I don't know what that fully means. I could talk it out. Uh, Restored to me. So things that I felt like I hadn't felt for a long time got restored to me back in that place, and now I feel a lot of those things more often. A lot of my, I'm more intact with my emotional capacity. Um, The other moment was uh, really, I guess, when I asked my wife to marry me. Not so much when I got married, but when I asked her to marry me. Um, That was a really big moment for me, too. So... Those are really two biggest moments. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions. So first question I'll <laughs> ask you are, um, we always actually have the, the guest kind of expose our humanity. So tell us some of the more difficult things that you've gone through, maybe one or two difficult things you've gone through in life and uh, how you got through them. Yeah, so um, so what comes to mind, so one I mentioned you know, earlier is that you know, I've, I've had to you know, shift my role. This is obviously a very recent thing, but I had to shift my role towards something that I, I'm not – you know, genetically predisposed to enjoy. And so I've had to use like every motivation trick in the book uh, to make sure that I was able to stay focused on, you know, working on the things that are the most important to the business instead of just the things that are the most fun and interesting. Right. Um, sales so been- sales sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on changing my associations to it. Totally. I've gotten, I've made a lot of progress though. I went from, I went from completely despising it to merely disliking it. And I think by in the next six months or so, I can get to a point of complete neutrality and then one day even kind of liking it. <laughs> well, let's keep having conversations around that, maybe privately, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like any business, like we've been through some serious roller coasters, you know, like you had to go through the periods where you're making payroll with your with your, with your your nest egg. And that that's always pretty hard to do. It makes you really question <laughs> things. Totally. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been through one of those in a while, but uh, I've been through a number of those. Um, and then, you know, another thing that comes to mind is like, I had a, a very close, uh, you know, I, I had a very close, I had someone who was very, very close to me years ago who was, you know, almost like a brother who just went off, went off the cliff, uh, emotionally, um, and from drugs. And, you know, I, 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 I just lost him and it was almost like losing a family member. And obviously that was, uh, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons from it, but it was very painful. Yeah. That is not, that is a very painful moment. I, I, I've lost a family member in general, an aunt, one of our closest aunts, and uh, I can only imagine when you lose them in a way that they're still there. Um, but I, I've heard of individuals that lose individuals to drug addiction or uh, like you're talking about right now, and it's just you kind of feel – um, like you're not in control of the relationship. So it's like, these are the things that matter in life, right? It's like, right. I mean, the fact is, is you, you started several websites that get 160 million page views per month and, and you're killing it. You were doing it in your teenage years. Um, and the reality is, is you're still human, right? You're a human being. You still have emotional needs. You still have all of the same functions that every other person has. And I believe that some of the things you've learned to tap into have really helped you overcome these difficulties as well as then find success and significance in life, right? 
Absolutely. So tell me, I want to jump to a few other quick questions. So were your parents always supportive of like this pretty radical, unusual endeavors and requests? My dad's the crazy hippie who's all about things like this. My mom's the more normal one. And so they balance each other out well. <laughs> but in general, they've, they've always been very trusting. You know, they give me a good leash. And then they'd say, like, oh, like we'll, just, we'll try this homeschool thing. It'll be an experiment. We'll just you know, yank him out of school for a bit. If he just like screws around all day and doesn't do anything, we'll just throw him back in school. He's a smart kid. He's not going to fall too far behind. It'll be all right. So that's, just experiments. <laughs> first thing, that's hilarious. And then how did like how did people react to you and then your parents? Like from you doing that then to you running these massive website companies, how do they react to all this? Uh, proud, you know, they're just like, like you'd expect from most parents, they're, they're just filled with pride. My mom will talk about me to everyone that she ever meets, no matter what taxi driver it is, she, she'll find a way to work me in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a mother. Well, I can only imagine my kid coming to me and be like, Hey, I'm dropping out of school. I'd be like, all right, what's the plan? You know, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it, but I, I mean, it's, it's, I, I hope that my kid, I hope that I empower them enough to actually make that type of a choice. That would be incredible. So <laughs> you, you're you obviously very disciplined in the way you work and the way you think you do business, your relationships, any advice for increasing productivity? So I have one specific tip. So whenever you read, here's a tip that will help you read twice as fast. And it's really easy to do. Because learning how to read quickly is one of the things you can do to supercharge your life. Whenever you read, make sure you put in earbuds with white noise, ideally noise-canceling ones. But the most important thing is that they're earbuds and they're white noise. And the reason why is because when you read, uh, you, there's this giant tax on your um, cognitive energy, which is micro-interruptions. Basically, you're reading a book and then all of a sudden a siren goes by and you're like, what was that? Was that a threat? No, okay, it wasn't a threat. And then you gotta remember where you left off. And the, and it takes you on average 40 seconds every single time you have to remember where you left off. And this happens all the time. That's when you get that feeling when you like reread the same thing over and over again, you just can't make any progress. It's totally. because you keep getting distracted, keep getting interrupted. So this one tip alone, this is like the laziest thing in the entire world that you can possibly do, and it's so impactful on your reading speed. It's just make sure you always use earbuds with white noise. The second thing, this will help you read about on average 50% faster. It's also super easy to do. Make sure whenever you read, you have a pen. You can also use your finger. Just make sure you move your pen or your finger underneath whatever word it is you're reading. The reason why this is important, it's called tracing. The reason why this is important is because it, it's like having a pacer in racing. You know, you have someone who's running in front of you, and even if you wanted to like slow down, you can't because you got to keep up with that guy, right? Um, and so this keeps you from regressing. So sometimes you'll lose track of where you're at, but if you keep moving that pen, you'll keep making progress, and you won't get stuck. Wow. So you'll read about 50% faster if you do that. That two and a half times faster overall with those two tips. That's incredible. What do you think about audiobooks? What's your take on that? Um, I love audiobooks. I don't think they're a replacement for regular books, but I think they're great for when you can't when you can't read and you have to listen to things. So I listen to audiobooks all the time walking around cities. Right. Walking around cities, driving your car, that type of deal. Yep. Love it. Yep. So tell me two or three character traits that you that have really helped you kind of stand out and jump ahead of the rest. I think it's a combination of curiosity and tenacity. I don't know. I don't know where they came. I don't know where either of them came from. But I've always been like deeply curious about everything. I tried to read the encyclopedia when I was like ten years old. I got to like AC, and I was like, man, this is boring. I should read other things instead. But the point is, like, I was going to read the entire encyclopedia at ten. Uh, and then the second thing is the tenacity. Again, I don't know where this comes from, but like once I decide to do something, I just do it. Yeah, you just go for it. You're an executor, bro. Like you, you've got so many incredible traits. 
I, I like you can just you can feel them just from what you've done. But and not only that, there's individuals that have done what you've done, and, and it's hard to interview in a sense. I haven't had any of them on my show, um, but but it's, your personality totally fits the function of what you do. I, I would even say that one of your one of your traits are vulnerability, though, because it's an ability for you to show that you know you're you're real and you're not afraid to show it. That is so rare, isn't it? And yet, it's, it's one of the greatest differentiators. Like people probably love doing life with you, want to be connected with you because you're a real person. So, man, thanks for sharing those. I really appreciate that. All right, we're going to do a personal shift. We have just a few more minutes of the show, um, but I would love to hear who are some of your role models in life. It's all the business titans that you'd expect from a guy like me. It's the it's Bill Gates, George Soros, it's uh, you know Richard Branson, you know Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Walt Disney. Walt Disney, great. Love him. He's one of my favorites. All right, tell us some of the books that you recommend. I mean, you read one a day. Uh, tell us some of the ones that you would say maybe maybe top two or three. The three books that had the biggest impact in my life were – the first one was Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Um, I've read I've read and listened to every Tony Robbins thing ever like a million times. I think Tony Robbins is the, – he's the man. He's like the best at condensing – uh, best practices in uh, you know from the frontiers of cognitive you know behavioral science, but making them practical and applicable, and actually like firing you up with motivation to go do them. So I love to waken the giant within. Second, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It's like the Bible on human relations. I needed yep. it because I was started muggling, you know I started managing people when I was like twelve. So I was obviously you know a kid and I didn't know what I was doing. So that book was really really helpful in making sure that I wasn't uh, like a nightmare to work for. Yep. And then the third one was the singularity is near by Ray Kurzweil which changed my view of the future more than any book I've ever read. Wow, that's great. I love the uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I haven't read the other two, but I've heard about The Awaken the Giant. I'm gonna pick up the other one, but thanks for sharing that. Tell us what is most sacred to you and important to you in your life right now in this season? It's probably, it's it's some combination of personal growth and my relationship with my uh, with my wife. Like she's my best friend and uh, and then the other part of it is personal growth. Like I, just, I just always have to feel like I'm improving and I'm growing as a person. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I could tell you this much. I could totally get along with you on every scale, man. I mean, you have got, <laughs> honestly, you embody the perfect capacity for the Dreamcast. It's like, I'm so thankful that there are people like you out in the world pioneering what you're doing, doing it with purpose, doing it with the end in mind. I mean, that, if we can get that into the school system, like you kind of talked about, I believe that we will have a brighter future for all of humanity because there, it's like you said, there's like these systems of significance that if we can just help, help others digest them, it's going to change uh, how everyone experiences life. So first, I just want to say thanks for coming on the Dreamcast. I want to end with this question. Usually we asked our guests, what would they tell their 18-year-old self. But since you started uh, at a more different age, maybe we should change our question, right? And have more expectations of people. What advice would you give your 12-year-old self um, if you could go back and talk with yourself? I would have told myself to study how to learn effectively earlier. So remember I mentioned how learning how to learn is the most important thing you can possibly learn. I didn't study learning how to learn until I went to college. And that was when I went on the independent self-study with a book a day. And that was when I started learning it. And man, I feel like every minute of time before that, I feel like I just wasted because I was learning so inefficiently that it was just largely a waste of time. Like I'd read a book and I would retain like 5% of it. And what a waste. Right. Wow. Incredible. So everyone listening, learn how to learn. It's one of the most important things in life. Thank you so much, Emerson. I appreciate you coming on the Dreamcast. Thank you. This was fun. 
You've just listened to Emerson Sparts, a middle school dropout who is now the CEO of his own company, Dose. He founded the uber-popular Harry Potter fan site MuggleNet.com at the age of 12 years old, one of many of the websites he's created. OMG Facts has 30 million page views monthly and over 500,000 subscribers on YouTube and 6 million subscribers on Twitter. He graduated in 2009 from Notre Dame's College of Business with a degree in management and has been featured in magazines like The New Yorker and Forbes, as well as Harold and Jimmy Kimmel. He is a New York Times bestselling author and is currently living in Chicago with his wife, Gabby. Emerson is changing the world one meme at a time. My name is Daniel Bozinski. If you have a dream but don't know where to begin, then start your journey with me at danielbosinski.com. If you've enjoyed the Dreamcast, please subscribe and receive weekly updates on each podcast released. If you've had a good experience, then please leave us a review on iTunes. And remember, if you have a friend or family that has a dream, invite them to listen to the show because dreams are worth living. And the first step starts today. Thank you for listening to the Dreamcast. Your future is valuable. So don't forget to invest into your dream every day with us. I hope the Dreamcast has inspired you to become the greatest version of yourself. I would be honored if you would help the Dreamcast grow. One of the best ways to do this is by leaving us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to hear more powerful interviews and podcasts to come. Until then, keep dreaming big.